Welcome to the Brazilian Beat. Join us as we get to know the Brazilian percussion music making community one interview at a time. This is episode 73. And today on the show, we have Mestre Jr. from Hosea. However, before that... Do you like us? We like each other and we like you. But if you like us, consider becoming a donating member to this podcast. We love doing this podcast. We love these conversations. We love these interactions with the global community. It's definitely a labor of love, but it's also labor. It takes time. It takes equipment. It takes money and quite a bit of coffee on top of that. Please help us keep these conversations going and learn more by going to ko-fi.com forward slash the Brazilian beat. There you can learn about different ways you can give back. This podcast is free. It's definitely free. It will remain free, but it's not free to make. If you have the means, we invite you to join us in our community of support. And thank you very much. Another way you can support the podcast is by going to Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast player you're listening to this on and give us a five-star rating and leave a review. And uh, share it with your friends. Share it with the other people in your community. And thank you. You can find out more about us at thebrazilianbeat.com and email us at thebrazilianbeat at gmail.com. And find us on the interwebs on your favorite uh, pod players and on social media just not tiktok (laughs) (laughs) you're on tiktok Uh, i have the app i don't make any videos uh but i enjoy your first dance video coming out well i enjoy watching dog and cat videos (laughs) (laughs) i'm simple (laughs) if you guys are looking to purchase drums you can find those at gosampa.net got drums got new bags oh yeah drum bags in yep nice. some new tambourine baquetas some new things going on so go check it out please go samba.net so as mentioned before we are interviewing Mestri Jr. from Hosea and uh, Mestri Jr. started in Portela in 1997 and went through several samba schools such as Ranjihio, Unidos da Tijuca, Mostaji Independente, Beja Flor, Viradoru among others he started as a director in the Bloco Badalo de Santa Teresa. From there, he was a director in the Escola Vizinha Faladeira, where he was already a drummer. He then arrived at Josia as a director, and currently he is their Mestre. Mestre Jr. was also a director at Cubango, where he had been a drummer, and at Viradoru, where he had been a hichimista for several years. Today, in addition to being the Mestre at Josia, he is also a director at Imperatish. You'll hear in the interview, uh, Mestre Jr. talks about some workshops that he participated in, and those workshops are actually happening again. So we have a little message from Rob Akari, who is organizing those. All right, today we have Rob Akari. He was episode 65. He's here to tell us about some workshops that he has organized with the uh, Bateria members, the Mestres, and the directors from Hosinia. Hi, Rob. Hey, how's it going? Good to see you. Welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Tell us about your workshop. 
yeah, thanks so much for having us here. I've, I organized at the start of the lockdown or just a bit after the start of the lockdown, which is, seems like forever ago. Um, I organized some workshops with um, with some of the guys from, from Hosinia. So we made three workshops, we made a series of workshops and we, I kind of set them up as a, uh, a nice opportunity for people to learn and people to connect with these, um, these guys in Rio. And then as a little side thing, we made it as a, it was also an opportunity for these guys to have a, get a bit of work, raise a bit of money. I basically sent all of the money uh, over there, paid the teachers to teach, and then with the rest of the money we set up like a social project. So we were providing care packs. So basically, packs of, um, of food and hygiene products. We ended up the the workshops went pretty well. They went really well, actually. Uh, they, were, they were they were a great success. Really, yeah. I'm gonna interrupt you for just a second. It was really good. I, I attended yeah. the workshops and it was amazing to learn from these people. And it was really cool to see all the people from around the world that were attending the workshop. That was that was really a cool thing too. But also, you did a really good job of moderating. So you had a translator who was a different person. Not it wasn't you, but you did a great job of like, how's everybody feeling about this thing that we just learned? Should we move forward or should we do that again and people would vote and then we'd move on and it was done really really well i really yeah. enjoyed the way you organized it because you didn't feel like you were kind of i didn't feel like some of these workshops they kind of tend to go on and you're like okay and yeah got it. but you know you did a really great job of keeping the pace exactly with where people wanted to be thanks yeah. oh that's great to hear yeah. i mean the i think it's a it's a funny thing right like Zoom classes, like no one was yeah. doing any, any right. Zoom classes before this whole thing happened and we all started <laughs> getting locked away. And they're, um, you know, they, they come with their own set of challenges. Uh, there is obviously, mm -hmm. I'm assuming most people listening to this have, have attended at least one by now, yeah. somewhere along the line. And um, they can be pretty shit house at times. So, um, like, <laughs> it's tough. It's really tough. There's heaps of stuff. So there's, that's, that's got its own set of challenges. But plus, also, like, people learn and teach in different ways, right? Like, in I'd set this. I set these classes up for uh, for a lot of people over here. I mean, it's, like you said, we have people from all over the world. We have people from Australia, and New Zealand. The time zones just worked for. We made a time that worked for Australia, and New Zealand. It worked for Asia. And it worked really well for the um, for the Americas as well, right? So uh, Europe, it was like the middle of the night. So we had a couple of people attempt to right. attend from uh, from Europe, but it's kind of like very sleepy, sleepy vibes over there. Um, but yeah. Anyway, so. I deliberately didn't pitch these as beginners classes because, um, right. like, I mean, they, these guys could teach great beginners classes and that'd be awesome. But I didn't, like, you know, people can get beginners classes from from heaps of people. But to me, so it was like intermediate to advanced was the how I tried to pitch it. It's basically, no, some basics, and we'll get we'll go a bit deeper than that. Um, but then, if there are beginners that want to join in. They can, knowing that it's an it's a high level, higher level class. I had a couple of people that were like, "Oh, I don't know if I'm, you know, if I'm good enough to be in this." It's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, come if you want, but just be aware that it's going to be pitched at a, you know, maybe a slightly right. higher level. Um, right. If you if you're cool with that, you know, you might find it really inspirational." And and those people came back to me afterwards, and they were like, "That was great. That was, you know, I've never had, I've never been in a class like that." And you know, it's like it was a really nice opportunity for them, and that's something nice that these Zoom classes. You know, have, like they enable. That's something that's not possible in the real world. Exactly. And you raised you raised a lot of money and and bought a lot of supplies. So hopefully yeah. we're gonna we're gonna make it happen again. And you're doing it again. Tell us when the classes are cool. and when they so, start. Last time we did uh, a series of three workshops. We've decided to make it bigger this time. So we're gonna do. We've invited the same three teachers back. So. Um, 
Mr. Junior is going to be back. The same two directors, Taish uh, and uh, Jonas, are going to be back. They're all going to be teaching the same instruments, but not the same material. So that's it. So these guys come in, but we've added two more. So we've added um, the, the tambourine director, like Marquinho Passos. He's, um, he's going to teach a class for us, which is going to be super cool. And then we've got Chimbal as well from um, Eric. He's another director there, Eric Shimano. Um, so we've got five classes in total. They start next week. So on Friday, America time, and on Saturday morning, Australia and Asia. And then in the West Coast, that's 5 p.m. And on the East Coast, that's 8 p.m. Yeah, on Fridays. Thank, thank you for the time converting that for me. It's, t it's 10 a.m. Um, Australia time, 10 a.m. Melbourne time. Um, so you can figure it out from there if you, if you want. Sorry, to Europe. Yes, <laughs> sorry, Europe. Uh, it's the middle of the night, 2 a.m. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's totally that, yeah. <laughs> um, so the first class is, um, yeah, it's... a coming up this uh, this Saturday or this Friday for America. So on the 8th, it's uh, Tessera with Taish. Um, so it's gonna be super, super cool, she's awesome. Uh, and then the following week on the 15th or the 14th, if you're in America, um, we've got Marquinhos teaching Tamburim. And then uh, the following week, Special uh, Junior teaching Kaisha. Following week, we've got Chimba with Eric Chimano. And the week after, the last week, we've got Jonas teaching the big. So yeah, the classes, yeah, there's basically, they cost, Australian dollars is $25 per class. There's a discount if you buy three or more, it's 20 bucks a class. Um, so it's super, super cheap. I don't know what that, you were telling me that, that works out to mega cheap in, in American dollars. Um, but yeah, so it's super cheap. So when that comes at a full price, it comes at $17 uh, American. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, yeah, yeah, if you're doing it, uh, it's $14 um, if you do three or more. Yeah, the classes last for an hour and a half, uh, an hour and a half to two hours. Uh, we've got an English translator on on every call, so there's a native Brazilian translated into English. Yeah, it was really smooth last time. You did a really great job of organizing. Thanks, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, good work. Ah, uh, no, it's you good. A, you it's did good. a lot of good there, too. It seems like they... Um, yeah, passed out supplies to members of the Bateria and everybody yeah. out there. If you're, I mean, you got, we we gain a lot from from Brazilian culture, and this is a really great opportunity to give back to the exact people who who we pull from for this these ideas and the, this fun yeah. and, and the, you know the people who created this culture are creating this culture now are participating in this culture now. This is yeah. a a chance for us to support them in their time of need and and to give back so please um, and also you 100%. get a freaking workshop out of it yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's a win for everybody so please go check it out and what's, what's the website the website is blocko3k.com so b-l-o-c-o -O, the number three and then k.com blocko3k.com on there you'll find uh, a link to the senior solidarity workshops um i mean for me like the social aspect is awesome and it's great that we're doing it and that's really cool that we're giving that opportunity to these guys the main thing is that they're awesome it's they're awesome teachers let's get some great workshops and use the experience but like you're saying I mean, for people that don't know, Hosinha is, is the biggest favela in um, in Rio, and then by that, it's the biggest in Brazil. The Escolaje Samba there, their members are pretty diverse. They've got um, a lot of members from the local community there, and they've got other members from across across the city. 
but there's a lot of people there and you know it's it's the people that are in the kind of lower rungs people that are living in favelas they've got the toughest time at the moment right because they to not work for them and without any support from the government is is really tough so what we've been doing is we've been um yeah we were really fortunate last time we were really successful we raised enough money we provided over a ton of food uh that we we kind of we had so much it was split up over um three fortnights we handed out a, a pack That's each great. fortnight to, to 30 people um and they kept it within the batteria so the batteria is kind of it's got at least just over 100 maybe 150 core members of the batteria they put it out to them first and said like who needs it and people put their hand up and so it was, it was players in the batteria that needed the, that needed a bit of help and you know they've got a bit of they've got food there they don't have to the wolf's not at the door quite so much so they don't have to work quite so much so they don't have to go out and expose themselves to this virus yeah yeah well thanks for everything you're doing rob it's it's really cool and I'll see you in the workshop. A real pleasure. Yeah, I look forward to it. Okay, thanks for having me on again. Yeah. Okay, thanks for Bye. All right, so we also want to mention before the episode begins that um, Diana's audio ended up cutting out. So she she started out strong, but then she I disappeared. Dis- I <laughs> disappeared, but I could she hear. Dis- <laughs> so that's why you don't um, hear hear Diana after after the very beginning. Not even any heavy breathing. I'm just <laughs> gone. <laughs> so next time I'll be back. That's true. How are you doing tonight? Doing great, Courtney. How are you? I'm doing really good. We're excited to have Mestri Jr. here with us. He is the Mestri at Hosinia currently, and we've taken a little while to, to get this going, and we're really excited to have you. Welcome, Mestri Jr. to the Brazilian Beat. Bem-vindo, Mestri Jr. Obrigado. Can you please tell us, are you from Rocinha? Did you grow up in that area? É, mestre, você pode falar pra gente, você é uh, da Rocinha, você cresceu lá? É, não, eu fui parar na Rocinha já como diretor de bateria do antigo mestre, o mestre Maurão. Ah, ah tá. Um, so no, he's not from there. He is. He actually went to. He moved there when he became the mestre of the bateria after mestre um, Maurão left. Então você é de onde? Eu comecei na Portela e de hmm. lá saí para desfilar em quase todas as escolas de samba do Rio de Janeiro, praticamente. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> So he he started in uh, Portela and but he's uh, he's paraded with just about every every samba school there is in Rio. Wow! What year did you start? Uh, in que ano você começou? Eu comecei a desfilar em 1997. 
Meu primeiro ano em bateria na Portela. Aí de lá conheci o mundo, né? Das baterias. É, eu comecei a, a gostar de, de samba quando eu comecei a ir assistir os desfiles das escolas com meu pai, com a minha mãe. E sempre tive muito interesse por bateria. Aí, quando eu tive a minha primeira oportunidade numa bateria, foi através da minha mãe, que tinha um amigo, que era diretor de bateria da Portela, que me levou para lá. E de lá eu comecei. Morava no Largo do Tanque, em Jacarepaguá. E de lá ia para Madureira para poder participar dos ensaios e da bateria. Isso é muito longe, né? Já, já, já Não, Jacarepaguá? é perto. Não, é perto. É... Coisa de 30 minutos da quadra para a minha casa e, e ao contrário também, de, de, de casa para quadra. Tá. Um, so, he actually started to get really interested in bateria and percussion when he would go to the to see the schools with his parents. Um, and when he was uh, younger, he actually got an opportunity because one of his mother's friends was the, one, a director at Portela. Um, and so he had the opportunity to play with them and he, um, he's from Jacarepaguá. So he would go from Jacarepaguá to Madureira, which is a, a 30 minute, um, it's 30 minutes to go to the quadra in, uh, Portela's quadra. So he would make that trek, uh, wow. to go do the rehearsals. Wow. Um, can you ask him what instrument he started with? Uh, mestre, com, com que instrumento, qual instrumento que você começou? É, eu comecei tocando caixa de guerra. É, é um instrumento que, que dita a, a característica né, da bateria que você escuta de longe, pelo toque da caixa de guerra, muitas baterias você consegue distinguir uma da outra. E eu comecei nesse instrumento. Uhum. Um, so he actually started with, um, with caixa de guerra. Um, and so he says that it's actually the instrument that's like, that is um, like the one that you hear the most, that if you listen to it um, from far away, you can tell what Sama school it is because it's very, it kind of, it make it distinguishes um, school from school. Um, so that's mm -hmm. what he started with. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, I was watching an interview with him and I, I believe he played with Granji Hio. Is that correct? Um, a Courtney falou que ela te viu numa entrevista e que você tocou com Granji Hio. Uh, isso é verdade? Como foi a, essa experiência? Sim, sim, verdade. Eu, a Granji Hio, apesar de eu ter começado na Portela, mas a Grande Rio foi a escola que eu fiquei até hoje mais tempo desfilando consecutivos. Eu desfilei na Grande Rio consecutivos de 2002 até 2014, com o mestre Odilon e com o mestre Cissa. 
E, pô, foi uma experiência incrível. Uma escola que eu gosto muito. Voltei a desfilar lá em 2016. Aí, de lá para cá, não desfilei mais. Mas por falta de oportunidade mesmo. Um, so yes, he did play with Karanji Hugh, and actually, he's um, he mentions that he still uh, considers himself, play, you know, that he plays there. That um, he actually, you know, despite being, you know, having Portela his, as his original school and feeling part of that, um, that uh, Granji Hugh is the school that he's played with the most. And when you talk about consecutive years, so he played with them from 2002 until 2014 both with Mestri Ojilong and Mestri Sisa. Um, he says he likes that, he loves that school a lot. He actually played with them again in 2016. He hasn't played with them since, but just because there hasn't been an opportunity. Um, so he, he, he has a lot of, uh, he's, he's worked with them a lot. Can he tell us about what it was like uh, playing under Odilon and Sisa? That must have been amazing. Um, a gente aqui sabe que a gente toca percussão, a gente conhece muito de Mestre Odilon e Mestre Cissa. Como foi trabalhar com eles? Como foi tocar um, com, com eles? É, cara, para mim é uma, uma, foi uma grande honra, né? Uma, um, e um grande aprendizado também. É, eu, em outra entrevista, eu até cito os dois, por, por ser a minha base né? de, de, de característica numa bateria. É, o Odilon com, com toda a parte de didática, de é, equalização de uma bateria, e o Cissa com a parte de, de, de show, de, de ser ousado. É... Aprendi muito com os dois. E também com o Mestre Celinho, que eu desfilava na bateria da União do Jatijuca. Fui desfilar depois, que também aprendi bastante. É, como é o nome, nome do Mestre da Tijuca? Celinho, o que era Mestre de Bateria antes do Casa Grande. Tá. Hum. Uh, so yes, he he says that it was a, a huge honor, of course, to study with and to play under Ojilong and Mestri Sisa as well. And he really considers them, along with Mestri Celinho from Unido da Tijuca, um, he really considers them um, sort of his the basis of his knowledge because with Ojilong he really learned the very like didactic, the more um musicianship i guess you would call it part of things and then with mestri sisa he really learned about um you know giving people a show and being more daring and and that kind of thing and then mm -hmm. he mentions that mestri Celinho is um he considers from unito Sachijuka, he really considers him um one of his you know his main um influences and teachers Cool. Can you ask him if he was in the bateria? I think was it with Granji Hio where Sisa had everybody like the whole bateria on a float on a parade float? Was, I think I don't, I'm not sure it was Granji Hio. <laughs> You're not sure it was Granji Hio? Yeah, I th I know he I know Sisa did that. I'm curious if he was playing in the bateria that did that. Um, a, a Courtney falou que ela viu que Mestre Sisa teve um ano que ele Uh, colocou a bateria inteira numa 
o carro alegórico. É, você fez parte disso? Sim, sim. Na época, eu desfilava tanto na Grande Rio quanto na Viradouro e também na Unidos da Tijuca. É, pô, foi um momento muito marcante para quem pôde estar presente. Não digo na qualidade da bateria, porque dificultou em relação ao som, que o carro era muito alto, mas foi uma experiência única. O momento que você subiu do carro alegórico, que a bateria começou a subir, parecia um gol do Maracanã. E no momento que a gente desceu também, entendeu? Então, é... foi uma experiência muito inesquecível. Um... So actually, yes, he was uh, he was part of that. So you're right. It was um, with Granji Hill. Um, and at the time, he was actually, um, he was with uh, Granji Hill, Viradoro, and Chijuca. Um, and he remembers that, like, it was a very, um, it was a, a moment that really, he remembers, that really marked, you know, his life. Uh, because anybody who was playing, really remembers that moment. Um, he says not because, not because of the quality of the sound of the bateria, because he says that the sound and like just being up on the float was not necessarily the best for the sound of the bateria, but that, um, that when you got onto the float and the float, you know, and you're sort of rising on the float, it was like, like a goal in the Maracana, like in a, in a soccer stadium. Um, because the crowd obviously went wild. So so he said that he really remembers that moment. That's cool. Um, I think he was the the Mike Tresera for Grangy Hio. Can he tell us about that? It seems like a lot of pressure on one person. Can you tell us about that experience? Então, mestre, Courtney falou que você foi o surdo de terceira que estava com microfone. Uh, no Grande Rio, um, você sentiu pressão, porque deve ser uma pressão imensa no, para uma pessoa quando está tocando no, no desfile com o microfone. Como foi essa, essa experiência? É, não, eu já fui surdo de terceira microfonado no, na Viradouro, ah. que, que, que foi em 2009. Na Grande Rio, eu nunca fui. Mas foi uma experiência tranquila, né? A primeira vez, claro, bate o nervosismo. É, isso é normal ali no começo e tal, por causa da responsabilidade. Mas isso aí, quando passou a largada do desfile, que já tudo normal, é, a pressão passa, tu já sabe o que, que tem que fazer, no momento que tem que fazer, tudo bem ensaiado, então... Era só tocar e ser feliz. Um, so, yes, he actually was the, the mic um, the mic terceira for Viradouro, not for Grande Rio. And that was gotcha. in 2009. Um, and he said that, like, of course, at the beginning, it's very, you, you get nervous, um, especially because it's like, it's a, it is a big responsibility. Um, But he said that for, you know, for him, it was, you know, he, once you get past those initial nerves and, you know, you know that you're well rehearsed 
and you know that you know what you're doing and that after that really it's relaxed and the only thing to do is play and be happy so he said hmm. it was fine hmm. he's he's the mystery now of a samba school can he tell us how he makes that decision to who he's gonna pick but to, to have the microphone uh Agora que você é mestre uh, numa escola de samba, como você faz essa decisão de, de quem vai ficar microfonado? É, é hoje na, na Rocinha, a gente trocou um microfone lá só de terceira. Que, por quê? Porque era a Thaís que virou diretora e a gente botou o Lucas, mas o microfone nosso lá de primeira e segunda são os mesmos desde 2009, que é o Leozinho e o André. Então, não tem muito o que mexer lá, mas a gente já teve trabalho na Viradouro, na Cubango, que a gente teve que escolher pelo que preza a melhor técnica, na Imperatriz... Quem, quem toca mais firme, né? Mais firme que a gente diz não é que, que toque forte, mas que tenha precisão na, na batida, que não perca uhum. o tempo, entendeu? É, é basicamente isso, postura, para poder aguentar o desfile todo, pressão, isso é... São vários fatores para fazer essa escolha. Um, so actually, he says that on the third uh, surdu at Hosinia, he doesn't really make that. He doesn't make that decision um, because they have other directors like Thais and Lukas that really, you know, the that make that decision. And he said, but on first and second, he doesn't need to do that, make that decision at all because it's been the same two people hmm. since 2009. So Leo Zinho on first surdu and Andre on second. So he doesn't need to move any pieces around for that. Um, he says he does, he has made the decision um, at Viradouro and Cubango and Imperatriz before. Um, and then her, for him, the criteria is pretty easy. It's obviously who's the most firm. And when he talks about firm, he does not talk about loudness or anything. He's talking about like being solid in that they don't lose their, like lose the time, time that they yeah. have the right posture and the right presence. Um, and then hmm. of course that they, um, they can handle the pressure. Hmm. Um, it's a little bit mysterious to people outside of Brazil, or at least like, maybe just to me, but how do they decide who, um, how does the Samba School decide to choose a mystery? Like what was the process that, um, that he went through to be chosen as a mystery? Uh, então, para a gente que está aqui nos Estados Unidos, o processo de virar ou de ser convidado para ser mestre, como você foi na Rocinha, é me meio misterioso. Como foi o processo para você? Como você chegou a ser o mestre da Rocinha? É... Como eu falei, eu fui para a Rocinha. É... Eu era diretor de bateria do Mestre Maurão. E em 2014, ele optou por sair da escola, que ele foi para Cubango, para o Carnaval de 2015, e a Rocinha ficou sem mestre. 
E o meu processo lá foi por votação da gente mesmo. Eu não queria, de princípio, eu achava que não era muito para mim na época e tal, mas por votação do, entre os diretores, saiu para mim, como para mim continuar, dar, dar continuidade ao trabalho que já estava sendo feito. Então, para mim, foi dessa forma. Foi escolhido, eu fui escolhido pelos meus companheiros de diretoria, entendeu? Isso aí, para uhum. mim, é, foi muito bom, porque eu já estava em casa, né? Foi mais tranquilo. Uhum. Um, so, for him, the way that he became part of it was, uh, or became the mestre at um, Rocinha, was that, you know, back in 2014, he was um, the director of the bateria for Mestre Mauro. In, and then, at, in 2014, Mestre Mauro decided to leave Rocinha to go... Uh, you know, be part of of Kubango, and he was actually in Kubango in, uh, for the 2015 Carnival. Um, and so Hosinha didn't have a mestre, and so he was actually they did a vote uh, voting, um, and basically the directors or his colleagues voted him um, to be the next mestre. And it was a, you know, at first he says that he was very um, hesitant to take it. He didn't think it was something that he for him. Um, but you know, the fact that he was chosen by his colleagues to sort of lend continuity to what the, 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 the work that was already being done, um, because he was already part of the school, um, that to him, it was, it was like a, it was very natural because he was already in his house, right? It wasn't like, a. sometimes in other schools where mestres come from the outside, he was already part of it. He already knew the work that was being done. So he felt comfortable, um taking on that role. Um, so we re recently interviewed Thais and she also spoke about Mestre Morel. Can he tell us about Mestre Morel and, um, you know, uh, um, how important he is? Um, você pode falar um pouco sobre Mestre Morel e, e como, um, o que ele foi para, para um, a Rocinha? É, o Maurão foi onde tudo começou para a bateria chegar ao ponto que chegou hoje. É, a gente começou o trabalho lá em 2009, ele ficou por seis anos como mestre, e eu mais seis agora. É, seis, não, cinco, nem, nem sei. Mas... É, foi onde tudo começou, né? De ideias, de, de é, método de trabalho, de característica da bateria, que a bateria da Rocinha hoje tem uma característica, e quem começou isso foi o Mauro. Uhum. É, ele foi muito importante, cara, porque era um cara que já tinha passado pela escola como diretor, voltou como mestre, e deu a cara dele à escola, a gente como diretor ajudando também, muito do começo foi a cara dele, que é muito a cara da bateria hoje, e depois que a gente assumiu, a gente só tentou manter o trabalho em alto nível, como sempre foi, e depois vai botando o nosso jeito também, um pouquinho aqui, um pouquinho ali, 
mas nada, nada de mexer na característica da bateria. Uhum. So, he said that, you know, Mestre Marão was really important because, you know, he was also, like him, um, he began um, as a director of the bateria. So he ascended to, or he came back as the Mestre, right? Um, and so he said that, you know, because it was, it's still, it was still, sort of being molded at that time, uh, Mestre Maurão is sort of responsible for a lot of um, the characteristics that define Hosinha. Um, hmm. And so he was really important in, in molding that sort of the things that Hosinha is known for. Um, and he kind of, I mean, I guess he gave it an identity. And so there's still those, those characteristics are still there today. And he says that he, kind of, it's a Brazilian way of like saying that he kind of put his neck out, but he like, showed his face right and he he really set the tone for what the school was going to be and so now it still has those characteristics even though like he and and his other directors they like put their um you know what their their characteristics on it too but without really um messing with the core that Mestre Mauro um solidified while he was there for six mm. years from 20 from 2009 to 2015. Could he tell us some for people who aren't as familiar with that with that um, school? Can he tell us what um, what characteristics? Um, para as pessoas que não estão que não sabem muito da Rocinha, você pode falar sobre essas características, essas coisas que que identificam a Rocinha? É, nossa característica hoje é uma bateria que não corre, que não toca rápido. É... A nossa afinação é bem definida nos surdos. A gente tem um padrão de afinação também nas caixas. É... Tanto que nós temos dois toques de caixa. A que toca em cima e a que toca embaixo. Uma em cima, parte do alto, embaixo reto. É, a gente tem uma característica de desfilar com bastante cuíca, que esse ano mesmo desfilamos com 34, mas já desfilamos com 36, foi o nosso maior número. E é uma bateria que, que toca leve, é uma bateria que você não faz força para tocar, você... Desfila tranquilo, como diz o mais, os mais velhos aqui, você vai e volta na avenida desfilando sem, sem se cansar, entendeu? A gente, preza, a gente preza por isso, desde a nossa escolinha até quem chega de fora para desfilar com a gente. Uhum. Um, so, he says that a couple of things that are... That are characteristics of Hosinha is that number one, they don't play super fast. Um, they also have a very unique tuning um, for a lot of the instruments. And, and one of the major things is that they have two patterns for the Kaisha, one on top of the other. One does a straight pattern um, and the other one is doing Partido Alto. Um, the other characteristic is that they love to um, parade with a lot of cuicas. Um, so the last um, parade they paraded with 34, but they already they've wow. had they've had 36 
Kuikas. And he said that like the thing that really sort of defines the the style is that they play really light. So it's not like, Hmm. you know, these, um, you know, other schools that sort of force and really, that really sit on the instruments. He says that the way they say it at, you know, the school is that you go, you go and come back from the parade um, without getting tired. So it's kind Hmm. of a light touch um, playing. Um, And so he says that those are the main characteristics that sort of, um, Distinguish Hosinia. Huh. Um, Bruno, uh, our, our friend Bruno Moraes, which is also his friend, we were, I was talking to Bruno about Mestri Jr. And he told me to ask a couple questions of you. And one of them is to please tell us the ways in which you yourself have revolutionized batterias. And he says, don't be shy. One example he gave was taking the surdues out of breaks. Okay. Um, então, Mr. Junior, temos algumas perguntas que, que uns amigos eh, queriam saber de você sobre, sobre um, sabe, sua filosofia na, na área de percussão. É, você tem alguma, algum exemplo de uh, alguma coisa que você fe, uh, fez durante, como mestre um, que mudou talvez radicalmente o som da, da bateria. Eu acho que você já tocou nesse tema um pouquinho, mas ele, eles deram essa, esse exemplo que, por exemplo, alguns mestres tiram uh, o surdo dos breques ou das bossas ou alguma coisa assim. Você já, já, já tentou fazer esse tipo de mudança? Tell him it's a question from Bruno Moraes. He, he knows ah, him. É uma pergunta de Bruno Moraes. <laughs> É, Bruno Moraes é um grande amigo nosso, é, é gente finíssima. É, a gente, é, eu tenho muita característica de brincar muito com surdo, né? É, antecipar a batida, atrasar, é, muita virada. Eu, eu gosto bastante de, de, de brincar com os surdos, até porque a nossa marcação hoje ela é toda da Rocinha, todo mundo é de lá. Então, a gente tem bastante contingente no ensaio. Então, como a gente tem todo mundo lá, a gente procura arriscar, procura usar sempre na marcação. Seja tocando no samba normal, dar uma antecipada ou em bossas, a gente inverta tudo, toca ao contrário, volta... A nossa característica com surdo realmente lá é, é fora do normal. A gente faz cada maluquice que até <risos> a gente esquece depois. <risos> uh, so he says that yes, he actually has the thing he loves to do is actually play around with the surdos. Um, that's his thing, and he, you know, he says that um, they're really lucky that because um, a lot of the or the majority of the players are from Hosinha, everybody goes to the rehearsals. And so mm. they can do a lot of um, cool things during rehearsal and try things out. He talked about, for example, anticipating hits um, or or actually slowing down surdo hits or um, inverting bosses. Um, he says that he tries a lot of things and sometimes it's he 
it's crazy during a rehearsal. He tries a lot of crazy <laughs> things that he forgets later. Um, but that he's, yeah, he's uh, not afraid to sort of that, you know, to play around with, with the surdus. Is, is that not normal for everyone to show up at the rehearsal? Uh, a gente achou interessante que você falou que, que as pessoas que tocam são, são da Rocinha, então eles vão para o ensaio. Isso é, talvez não é normal, isso é diferente em outras escolas? É, tem, tem escola que não tem sua marcação toda da casa, né? É, uhum. A casa que a gente diz é que frequenta o ensaio direto, entendeu? Uhum. É, e a gente, graças a Deus, a gente conseguiu fazer uma marcação toda de casa. É, uhum. Claro, como aqui a maioria das baterias necessitam de ritmista de fora, a gente também, não é exceção. É, mas, a, graças a Deus, a marcação é todo mundo da casa. Uhum. Um, so he's saying that um, the formation they have for marcação is, or like the, the... marcação é exatamente o quê? Os... os um... Quem toca os surdos. Quando você... Surdos, ok. É, so he's então... saying that... Tá. Um, so he says that um, they're not unlike other schools that do need to call in players for shows and things like that, like to come in and play. But he said that the the surdos are all from Hosinha. Hmm. And so he said that that's, that's definitely not necessarily common in other schools that where people play, but they don't go to every rehearsal they'll go to a lot of rehearsals but not necessarily everyone um and so when you have all of your sudus from the you know he calls it by, from their house um it's a lot easier to try new things gotcha interesting um could you tell us what kind of mix of like how many surdus how many kaishas how many iapikis etc that he likes to have as the mystery uh como é a formação da, da bateria da Rocinha? O, quantas caixas, quantos, quantos surdos, tudo isso. Quanto, e como você gosta de organizar? Ou seja, se você pode ter preferência de quantas caixas e quantos surdos, como é essa preferência que você tem? É, hoje a gente, na bateria da Rocinha, esse ano a gente desfilou com 34 cuícas, com 20 chocalhos, é, 32 tamborins, aí a marcação foi 10 primeiras, 11 segundas e 11 terceiras. É, repiques foram 25, timbal desfilaram 5 e caixas foi 80 e, ah, não, 80 e acho que 85, por aí. É... A gente lá, a gente, claro, na frente, cuíca, chocalho, tamborim. Aí na parte da cozinha da, da bateria, né, que é o, o restante dos instrumentos, a gente faz tipo um quadrado com a marcação né, dos lados, duas marcações ali no meio, de primeira e de segunda, as terceiras vindo por dentro da bateria, aí a gente costuma botar uma caixa, um repique, uma caixa, um repique, 
vai fazendo ali, mas mapa mesmo, o que a gente monta é a marcação. E as caixas e repiques a gente só vai mesclando para não ficar dois repiques juntos, porque a proporção é muito maior de caixa do que para repique. E tá montada a bateria. Tá. Um, so, last year, he says that they had... Um, here's a list of uh, instruments. If, if anybody's adding up. <laughs> 30, uh, there's 34 cuicas, 20 chocalhos, 32 tambourines, uh, 10 first... Uh, First surdos, 11 second, 11 third, 25 hippinikis, 5 chimbaos, and 85 caixas. 85. <laughs> 85. <laughs> so um, he says that the, the way that they organize is um, in the line is first cuicas, second is chocalho, then 32 tambourines. From there, mm. the thing that they map out is the surdos, so the macasão. They map that out because they want to um, just make sure that the sound is really um, rich. So like they'll, for example, they'll put like the thirds in the middle of the bateria um, and then they organ, he talked about a square that they, a mapping that they do. Um, from there, it's really just organizing um, the hippikis and caixas because for example, there's only, you know, there's so many more caixas than hippikis that they don't want two hippikis next to each other. Mm -hmm. um, But he really focuses on mapping out the surdos and everything else is pretty standard, the way that they organize the bateria. Interesting. Can you tell us can you tell us if he has a method for tuning tuning the bateria? Does he have somebody that does that, like a specific person, or does he do that? Or or what what's the tuning like? Um uh, falando sobre a afinação. Um como você faz a como você decide como afinar e como quem faz tem alguma pessoa que faz os os diretores como é esse processo é, hoje eu faço afinação como sempre fiz desde a época do Maurão só que na época do Maurão eu era diretor então eu fazia no começo do desfile e durante o desfile, quem refazia também era eu. Hoje, eu faço lá no começo do desfile, aí depois, no processo de quando a afinação cai, quem vai vendo a afinação para mim é o mestre Maurão. Então, quando ele era diretor, quando ele trabalhava com o mestre Maurão, He would do it and he would do it hmm. at the beginning and then he would also do it as they were playing, right? To make sure that the balance was was good. Um, today, he does it at the beginning of the rehearsal. And then when they're playing and they're going, um, he says, actually, Mr. Moto does the tuning for him. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I think I heard that he was the mestre of Vagalumi Vergi for a while. Can he tell us how much crossover there is between Samba schools and blocos as far as mestres and directors? Um, então, um, a gente sabe que você é diretor da bateria de Vagalume Verde, né? E, então, que você também é mestre da Rocinha. Você conhece se... Isso é, isso é muito comum de ter essa 
coisa de ser mestre numa escola de samba e talvez uh, um diretor de um bloco? É, hoje é bem comum aqui no Rio, é bem comum, porque o bloco é onde você junta a galera, né? Você uhum. faz, por, faz por curtição. Eu, antes de ser mestre de bateria da Rocinha, eu fui mestre de bateria do Vagalume. É... Depois que virei mestre de bateria da Rocinha, continuei um tempo no Vagalume e saí ano passado. Ano uhum. passado eu, eu saí, no, no, que teve outros projetos lá, eles queriam outros dias, eu não podia e tal, a gente conversou, eles botaram um outro amigo lá. Mas é muito comum, a gente tem aqui o mestre Caliquinho que... É o rei dos blocos é, e é mestre de bateria da São Clemente, mas ele faz vários blocos na Zona Sul, espanta, muitos blocos ele faz. E isso é normal, né? porque a escola de samba é que forma a maioria dos ritmistas. Hoje, hoje aqui a gente tem muito pouco bloco que forma ritmista, então... É, quando o bloco quer uma bateria e tal, eles ele geralmente vão atrás de quem está numa escola de samba para poder ter a sua bateria. Então, ele diz que ele foi, na verdade, o diretor do bloco para o Vagalume antes de ser o mestre para a Rocinha, e ele, na verdade, ficou por um pouco antes, mas depois, no ano passado, ele não conseguiu fazer isso. Foi só, you know, sort of, you know, tinha you know a reason why he couldn't do it just schedule wise um and so that he actually they actually got a friend of his um to be the director there um but he says that it's it is pretty common he talked about um Kanekinha from São Clemente he says that he's the director of a ton of blocos um and he said that in like his area it's not that common just because there's not a lot of blocos that have um baterias um and so He said hmm. that when somebody wants to play, they actually, you know, they, they play at a at Hosinha or they play the Sama school. Hmm. Interesting. Like, can we go back a little bit and talk about kind of his background and how how he got started in music and and um kind of his growing up experiences and, and, and learning to play? Um você falou um pouquinho já sobre sabe como você se interessou com um, com a bateria, né? Que você ia com a sua família para ver os, as escolas. Mas você pode falar um pouco mais sobre sua história, como você se interessou pela música, sabe um pouco sobre sobre a sua juventude e na música e e como você chegou a ser agora uh, a ser mestre de Rocinha. É, eu meu interesse pela música veio basicamente pelo pelas escolas de samba, né? Eu tá ali conheci depois que entrei para a escola de samba conheci muita gente é, do meio da música e uhum. aí comecei a ir para os lugares de ir para escolas diferentes, né? Daí que eu também desfilei uhum. e na maioria das escolas do Rio de Janeiro eu já cheguei a desfilar e na juventude mesmo, o meu básico era um bloco que eu tinha perto de casa, que hoje é a Renascer de Jacarepaguá, é, mas eu quase não, não frequentava muito, 
fui frequentar mais quando eu passei aí para Portela, aí que eu fui me interessar mesmo por, por, por bateria, porque antes eu só ia ver o desfile. E basicamente isso, é. Daí, dali, da, da Portela, eu, come, eu comecei, né? Aí conheci o Kleber Conká também, antes até de estar tá no mundo de bateria, quando eu ainda tocava pagode, cismava que tocava, cismava que tocava pagode, né? Mas enganava lá. Aí conheci ele, depois reencontrei no mundo das baterias, aí estou com ele também no Batuque Digital e de diretor aí pelas escolas que passei e mestre de bateria na Rocinha. Ah, você falou do bloco de Jacarepaguá, como era o nome do bloco? Mesmo? Bafo do Bode, que hoje, é, que hoje é a Renascer de Jacarepaguá. Renascer? É, o Bafo do Bode ah. virou a Renascer de Jacarepaguá. Tá. Oh. Um, so yeah, he, you know, he actually says that his, uh, the, the way he became interested in music was through the Samba schools. And, um, he was actually, you know, he had a bloco nearby, um, where he grew up in Chacarepaguá that was at the time called Bafo do Boji. And he said he really only went to like, you know, he didn't really go to, for the percussion. He just, you know, was part of, went to see the, you know, the way that they have the parade and things like that. Um, but when he started playing at Portela, that he actually, because he was just so interested in the music, he became, he started to get to know other people that sort of lived, you know, the music, like were in the music industry and really focused on percussion, um, that he got interested in going, you know, when he started to go back to, you know, Jacarepaguá, he got interested in their, um, the, in their bloco, which is now called Hinase, uh, the Jacarepaguá. And, you know, at, at, at the time that he started playing with other schools, he did mention that he's played with probably all the Samba schools in Rio. And that's when he started to sort of become friends with a lot of people um, that are well known in the in the percussion um, scene in Rio, like Kleber Conca, who's at Batuki Digital, um, who we've interviewed before here on the podcast. Um, And so he sort of became, you know, he started to be part of the scene. He mentioned playing Pagodi. <laughs> um, and so that was sort of his, you know, he sort of got enveloped by um, percussion as a result of becoming part of Portela's uh, bateria. Um, so we have another question from Bruno Moraes. Um, Bruno would like to know, would he like to be the mestre of a Grupo Especial school one day? Uh, Bruno Moraes tem outra pergunta, que é se você gostaria de ser um mestre um, de uma escola de, do grupo especial? Ah, sim, com certeza, porque hoje o, o cara que estiver falando que ah, não queria ser mestre de uma bateria do grupo especial, ele está mentindo. O cara que é mestre hoje. Eu, na época, que eu passei a ser mestre, eu não, não almejava ser mestre. Depois que eu estive mestre, estou como mestre hoje, sim, gostaria. Gostaria muito que fosse com a Rocinha, né? porque é uma escola que 
não é a minha escola de coração, mas eu tenho uma afinidade muito grande, tenho muitos amigos. É... A bateria hoje é uma grande família, todo mundo se conhece, a gente mesmo, nesse momento de pandemia, todo mundo se ajudando, é... procurando ajuda, quem precisa a gente procura não deixar na mão, é... entendeu? E seria, para mim, uma grande honra estar com a Rocinha no grupo especial, mas tendo uma oportunidade numa outra escola também seria um grande prazer, porque é, o grupo especial é diferente, né? Os olhos do mundo olham para o grupo especial do Rio de Janeiro. É, é, totalmente diferente. Arquibancada cheia, o sambódromo lotado, é, é outra, é, deve ser outra, outra emoção, né? He, of course, he says he would love to be um, a mestre in a grupo especial. Um, but just like he didn't expect to ever be mestre of Hosinha, he, you know, doesn't, he doesn't have any expectations. But, um, you know, I think he says that, you know, for him, the best thing would be for Hosinha to be part of the grupo especial. Mm -hmm. Um, because he says that everybody, you know, he has a great affinity for Hosinha. He says that it's like a family for him. Everybody knows each other and helps each other. Um, but of course, you know, being a mestre in a grupo especial um, school would be a great honor and it would be a pleasure for him just because, you know, the grupo especial um, schools, um, the world looks at them differently and that it must be amazing to parade in the sambo in the sambodrome and the sambodrome um with the full you know the with the sambodrome being full and and the audience looking at you and and going crazy and it must just be a different type of emotion mm -hmm. rob akari from australia had the project we were we were speaking he was speaking about um Hosinia, and rob akari had the project with him and Jones and Thais, and they were doing um, lessons for everybody. It was people from around the world. It was super cool. They're doing lessons, and then um, a lot of the proceeds went to Hosinia to to provide buy food and things um, for the for the people there. Can you tell us what that experience was like from from his side? Um, a, a, a gente conhece o, o Rob Akari, que a gente sabe que, vo, que vocês um, trabalharam com ele para fazer, uh, junto com Thaís e, e, e Jones, um, fazer o work, esse workshop um, para beneficiar a Rocinha. Como foi essa experiência para você? Pô, para mim foi uma experiência inesquecível, porque eu nunca imaginei eu poder passar o, o pouco que eu sei para gente de todo mundo, né? Uhum. É, eu não tenho muita experiência com internet e tal, sou meio atrasado ainda, mas, <risos> <risos> mas para mim foi uma experiência sensacional, porque... Você não é nem só de, de passar o que você sabe, né? Eu, eu, particularmente, acabei aprendendo também né, nisso tudo. E nesse processo aí, a gente, graças a Deus, conseguiu mais de uma tonelada de, 
de alimentos para ajuda, que inclusive ontem a gente entregou também a última parte do, dessa primeira parte do projeto, entregamos ontem mais 300 quilos de alimento, é, que está ajudando bastante gente da bateria que está passando por necessidade nesse momento, está sem poder trabalhar, né? E, inclusive, vamos ter, a partir do dia 7 de agosto, a segunda etapa do Workshop Solidário, que vai ter também aula de timbal com o Eric, que é diretor de bateria, e aula de tamborim com o Marquinho Passos, que também é diretor de tamborim, de bateria, aliás. Que legal. Um, so yes, he says that it was an unforgettable experience because, um, you know, that he was really happy, um, to share, he says what little he knows, um, which is probably not little, but yeah, it was a lot, that, yeah. <laughs> but he says that, you know, he, the internet is not his thing, that he says he's pretty like old, old fashioned or at least behind on the tech technology front. Um, so that but he's even so he said that it was sensational and that he learned a lot too um and the best part was that during the process they were able to raise um a ton of, of food right a, a metric ton of uh of uh dry goods for the community and mm -hmm. he said that actually yesterday um they gave out or they distributed the last part of hmm. that the the 300 300 100 kilos Of, of dry goods to the community of the Bateria, who obviously, because of the pandemic, are going through, you know, um, a lot of hard times, just like a lot of the world, because they're not working um, and things like that. So he said that it really, it really helped the community a lot. And he says he's really excited because on August 7th, um, they're doing the second workshop, um, the, the second um, charity workshop. Um, where there's going to be uh, a lesson, a workshop on Chimbao given by Eriki, who's the director at Hosinha, a director at Hosinha, and Tamborin uh, by Marquinhos Passos, who's also um, the director of Tamborins for Hosinha. Yeah, very cool. And we will put links to all that. We will be promoting this super heavily. It was a really cool experience from my side as a student. Um, not only, I mean, for two reasons, because it was really cool to be exposed to these teachers who obviously knew a lot. I mean, he's being very modest when he says the little that he knows, he knows a lot. Mm -hmm. um, but also to be there with, there's people from Singapore and from Australia and from New Zealand and all over the world. It was really cool to all of us be in one place. Um, a Courtney foi aluna pelo workshop e ela falou que foi uma experiência maravilhosa porque ela conseguiu aprender muito que, que ela falou que não é pouco a, a, o que você conhece não é pouco que ela aprendeu muito e que foi uma experiência muito legal aprender junto com pessoas de todo mundo sabe de Singapura de Nova, Nova Zelândia que foi uma experiência muito, muito única e legal. Verdade. Para mim, mim também foi muito bacana. Cara. Eu não imaginava que eu 
da, de casa poder ensinar gente de todas as partes do mundo, né, praticamente. Foi muito bacana. Uh, he says that for him it was really uh, a cool experience too because he said he would have never imagined that he could teach from his own home to people all over the world. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. Um, so Rob has a question for him and he wants us to ask, um, what is the maximum number of schools you have paraded with in one year? Because he said he parades in Rio but also goes down to Sao Paulo and will parade down there. <laughs> Uh, essa pergunta vem do, do Rob também, que ele quer saber quant, um, que foi o número mais alto das escolas que você, com quais você desfilou em um ano, porque ele sabe que você às vezes também viaja pra, para São Paulo, então em um carnaval, <risos> que foi o número mais alto das escolas que você desfilou? É... É, o número mais alto que eu já desfilei num ano foi em 14 escolas. Oh, é, foi... Isso, oh, isso, isso porque não tinha sexta-feira na época. Na sexta-feira, na época, era, era o desfile das crianças. Então, o carnaval era sexta, sábado, domingo, segunda... Era, minto, sábado, domingo, segunda e terça. A sexta não tinha. Hoje, se eu tivesse aquela disposição, com certeza seria 20, fácil. Um, so he says the number is actually 14 in one year. That's so many. Um, and he said that he and he said that at the time, he says that he might have even done 20, but at the time, Carnival was only Saturday through Tuesday. And so, you know, they didn't have a, a Friday wow. night, Friday night parade. And so he only went, you know, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And but he says that now, if you know that if there was a Friday, he probably would have done 20. He said if he had the same energy to do it now, <laughs> but you know, he doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> that's the same thing Bruno Marais says. He would get to the end and then like run to his car, change clothes, and get it another like batteria and then go <laughs> down the avenida again. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm also I'll ask him that and I'll tell him that and I'll also ask him like how he remembers all the different patterns, like, yeah, method. Um, o, o Bruno falou pra gente que ele tocava com uma escola, terminava de tocar e, e corria pro carro para mudar de roupa para tocar com outra escola. E, e a, a minha pergunta é: como é que você lembra tudo isso? Como, como é que você faz para sabe, é, lembrar as diferenças, porque é, a, a gente faz uh, um camp uh, em agosto e a gente faz uma peça só de uma escola, e é muito difícil para a gente lembrar só uma música. E, é, é uma, em uma semana a gente tem que aprender, mas é, como você faz para, para lembrar todas as coisas? É, cada, cada carnaval é um ano, Entendeu? Então, uhum. cada carnaval para uma escola é um ano. Para a gente também. Cada samba é uma, é, uma, é uma bossa, é uma paradinha. Você aprende o samba e consegue de, decorar a paradinha, a bossa que você tem que fazer. Pelo menos para a gente, naquela época, era assim, né? <risos> é, tinha, tinha dificuldade de você não ter a facilidade que a gente tem hoje de WhatsApp, de vídeos, de, 
de tudo quanto é coisas que a, que a, que a internet ajuda uhum. hoje, né? Facilita para você aprender. Antes, não. A gente desfilava em 14 escolas, a gente tinha que ir no ensaio das 14 escolas para poder pegar a bossa. Então, vivia, vivia para aquilo ali, entendeu? Trabalhava tal, de noite ia para a escola, no outro dia a mesma coisa, no outro a mesma coisa, até chegar ao carnaval. Um, so I mentioned that you know we go to camp and we have to learn one song in a, in a week and it's, it can be really hard. So how does he how does he do it? How does he memorize everything? And so he said that you know there's a year between carnavais and so for the baterias there is two, and that you know he you know you just have to memorize it. And he says that you know when he was playing with the 14 schools, it's not like it is now where there's all of this multimedia and internet that sort of can assist. Um, in in remembering things like WhatsApp or videos or things like that that make it easier for you to have that a reference, right. uh, even if you don't go to the work to the to the rehearsals. And so when he was playing with those 14 schools, really the only thing that he could do to really know everything was to go to the rehearsals and uh, to every rehearsal. And so he would, you know, for a lot of the Months he would go to work in the day, and every night he had a different rehearsal. So mm -hmm. that's how he memorized things. <laughs> um, can he tell us now that um, you know there's a pan global pandemic? Obviously, um, kind of what what is Hosinia doing now? What is he doing these days? And um, it sounds like there isn't going to be a carnival, at least not during the normal time of year. Maybe it'll be later in the year next year. But what what are What are they planning right now? What are they doing? Um, a gente quer saber um pouquinho sobre, sabe que a pandemia veio e mudou tudo para para todas as escolas, para todo, sabe, até estão falando que talvez não vai ter o desfile, o carnaval no tempo normal, talvez vão adiar para outro, outras datas. O que uh, a Rocinha está fazendo o que agora? Uh, então, Talvez um, pode falar um pouco sobre é, como você está como, se comunicando com a escola, as coisas que vocês estão fazendo pa, pra, para se preparar para um futuro depois da pandemia. É, a, a Rocinha passou por um processo de, de eleição, né, que trocou a presidência e tal. É, os caras que entraram agora pensam em carnaval mesmo. É... E a escola está sendo tocada normalmente, como se o desfile fosse acontecer na data prevista do carnaval. É... Como eles lá estão dizendo, se vai acontecer na data ou não, não é com eles. Eles estão... A gente está se preparando, entendeu? É... Eu mesmo, em relação... A bateria, é, já estou para começar a escolinha, claro, com seus devidos cuidados, máscara, higiene de mão, distanciamento, tudo, tudo no padrão. Mas a gente já está para começar a nossa escolinha. E sai de bateria, não, vai ser mais para frente. É, pelo menos na Rocinha está tudo indo, caminhando como se fosse ter o carnaval na data. Se vai ser depois, aí já não é 
com a gente, né? Pelo menos a gente já tem notícia aqui que em São Paulo, carnaval ano que vem, os desfiles serão em maio. Aqui no Rio ainda não tem definição de nada. É... Mas é isso. A Rocinha, pelo menos, está trabalhando como se o carnaval fosse em fevereiro. Um, so he said that um, for Rocinha, they went through a period right now where there have been some changes. They had a, an election, so they have a different president of Rocinha. And so that leadership group is working as if carnival is still going to happen hmm. in the normal dates. So, for example, um, they're not rehearsing yet, um, but they're preparing um What they're preparing to begin the escolinha, so like the, the school um, where they teach um, the instruments uh, to kids. And so then, uh, but that obviously is going to come with a lot of changes. Um, so things like what mask wearing, social, you know, physical distancing, um, you know, um, hand hygiene, all of those things that will make sure that it's safe for them to, to rehearse or to learn. Um, they don't have a date when they'll begin rehearsals. Um, and so the, the, the administration right now is continuing to plan as if there will be carnival at the normal time. But he's, you know, because at, at that, at that point, the decision is not up to Hosinha. It's obviously up to the board of Lieza to make that decision. Um, he said that they do know now in Sao Paulo that the parades will happen in May. So they at least have that example. Uh, but that is not, hasn't been defined for Rio yet. So they're still awaiting and all they can do is prepare as much as they can um, to be ready for a, a normal date. Um, as we begin to wrap up, can he tell us about I mean, obviously, he has done a lot in Samba. Can he tell us about one of his happiest moments um, playing this music and participating? Um, você já passou por muitas escolas, você já tocou com muitas escolas. Uh, pode você dar uma... Você tem alguma memória que, que é muito importante para você? Alguma coisa que você lembra que nunca vai esquecer nas suas nas suas andanças nas escolas de samba? <risos> ah, tem vários momentos, né? A gente já passou por muita coisa aqui. É... Com certeza, um dos momentos que eu não vou esquecer é o que a gente falou lá atrás do, do carro alegórico, da viradora. É... Um outro momento para mim também que marcou muito foi... É, um desfile que eu, que, eu, que eu desfilei pela Grande Rio, que eu pensei da escola ser campeã, que foi em 2006 e acabou que não aconteceu por causa de um problema que teve na, na comissão de frente, mas para mim a bateria foi sensacional. É, pô, eu tenho várias, várias lembranças, mas muita mesmo. E todas Todas têm o seu, seu motivo ali, né? Sua, a sua particularidade ali, para mim. Uh, so he has a couple special moments. Um, he mentioned, you know, we talked about the, the, the float 
where the players on the float, the bateria on the mm-hmm. float, at, at, which actually was Viradoro. I think we thought it was Grandiu earlier, so it was actually Viradoro. Um, he said that that is something that he'll never forget. And also one of his favorite um, memories was playing with Granji Hugh in 2006. Um, he said that the bateria was, was amazing and that he was, he left that, um, that parade thinking that they would be champions for sure because of the way that the bateria performed. He said it didn't happen because he, there was a problem with the Comissão de Frente or one of the opening um, wings of the parade um, that he obviously didn't know about when he was playing, but that that's a really special memory for him because of how they performed. Um, but he said that just about with every school, he has special things that he doesn't forget um, that were that you know marked his time at the different schools. E ultimamente, o que vem me marcando muito é os anos que eu fui mestre de bateria, né? Esses esses são Muitos é, mais especiais do que, do que os outros, lógico, né? Porque é uma conquista pessoal. Uhum. Mas momentos tem vários, graças a Deus, para guardar. Um, and he said that, of course, recently, for him, the being the mestre of Rocinha is, is definitely one of the more special moments um, and, and being their mestre, um, just because it's a, it's a personal achievement for him. And so... Uhum. Um, you know, that's something that, of course, is really close to his heart, but that, you know, he he just he thanks God that he has had so many great opportunities to play with with different with so many different schools. Is there anything else that you would like people to know about you? Any questions we didn't ask or anything you'd like to say as we wrap up? Um, então, a gente, já que a gente já está acabando a entrevista, tem alguma coisa que, você, que a gente não te perguntou ou alguma coisa que você quer compartilhar? Com, com as pessoas que estão te escutando? É, eu, eu ia falar com você, né? Eu fiquei aguardando para você ter mais alguma pergunta. Mas eu tive... Eu tô com uma ideia de fazer... Pelo, pela, pela essa experiência que a gente teve com, com as aulas, através do hobby, eu tô querendo montar uma... Eu não sei ainda a quantidade exata, mas montar uma turma só de gringo para vir desfilar <risos> com a gente na bateria aqui. Quem tiver disponibilidade, lógico, de poder vir ao Brasil no carnaval para poder desfilar, eu estou com uma ideia de montar uma, uma parte da bateria só de gringo. <risos> já, que, já que hoje eu acho que a bateria que sai com mais mais variedade de, de gente do mundo todo, eu acho que é a bateria da Rocinha. Tem australiano, <risos> tem italiano, tem, já veio alemão, e gente de todo mundo. Um, so he's saying that he actually has, um, you know, because of how successful the workshops with Rob were and how he sort of got to teach people around the world is that he's got this idea of putting together a group of foreigners to come um, parade with, um, with Hosinha. Um, and to, you know, you know, and he says that there's already a lot of foreigners that play with Hosinha. He says that there's mm-hmm. been, you know, Germans and Italians that have come um, to play. And so he would love to be able to put together a group 
that comes in, you know, a specific an area of the bateria that is will be specifically foreigners. Yeah, and we can we can help spread the word on that, definitely. <laughs> a gente a gente pode ajudar para para espalhar essa essa notícia e o convite, já que sabe a gente conhece vários uh, me, uh, diretores. Nós nós podemos ajudar o com, com o convite também. Bom, bom. Aí a gente né, faz aquela peneira. Quem puder vir, a gente separa os melhores e vem, vem todo mundo. He's like, he said, he, I think, I think he just added a, a qualifier there. He was like, we'll, we'll, we'll make the invites and whoever's really good can come and play yeah. with uh, Rocinha. It definitely needs to put that on there. Yeah, yeah. Quality, quality control. It's not, yeah. not an open invitation to whoever. Yeah, exactly. Very smart. Smart move. Well, they do have, Holcina does have the best hats of any samba school, in my opinion. Uh, uh, a Corny falou que, que ela adora os chapéus da Rocinha, que eles têm o melhor, melhor chapéu. Chapéu, <laughs> né? Of any, of any samba school. <laughs> De todas as escolas, que yeah. é o melhor. É, tem que ser, tem que ser. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much for coming on the show we really appreciate your time and um, I know we, we tried a couple times it didn't work out but thank you so much é, a gente queria agradecer muito a sua presença na entrevista a gente adorou falar com você e, e a gente sabe que, que foram algumas tentativas para fazer a entrevista e a gente teve que cancelar mas uh, <laughs> Mas a gente adorou falar com você e muito obrigada por, por ter aceitado o convite. Obrigado, também agradeço e quando precisar, pode contar que a gente está aí. Obrigado. He also says thank you for the invite and that uh, whenever, you know, if we need anything, that, he, that he's there for us. Tell him the next time we see him, we'll see him in the workshops. Uh, que a gente uh, agradece de novo e que a próxima vez que a gente se vai ver vai ser nas, nos workshops que a gente vai participar. Tá bom, espero você lá. Ok, thank you, thank you. Muito obrigada. Obrigado, eu que agradeço. So we have a couple shout outs. I'm taking a online hippie class with Gabriel Policarpo and the, there's other people in there that are really, really amazing and a lot of creative people. So a lot of people have really great YouTube channels. They're doing interviews um, with different people. It's a really, it's a, it's a fun, a fun group. Everyone's sharing um, about what they're, what they're, what they're doing and it's people from around the world. So shout out to those guys. I'd like to thank them for reaching out on Instagram. They're following us now, so thanks uh, for connecting. Yeah. And we also want to give, of course, a huge shout out to Sylvia for helping us with the translation. Thank you so much, Sylvia. If you'd like to learn more about Mestre Jr. and find his social media links, you can find that on our website, thebrazilianbeat.com. So we have some folks, some friends that are doing lessons online, people from Brazil. Um, our good friend uh, Dudu Fuentes, also Mestre Junior Sapayo, Ayelta Nunez, Douglas Georgi, and who else? There's also classes with our 
previous guest, uh, Francisco Machado. Also, if you're looking uh, for instruction in uh, northeastern rhythms like maracatu or kohu, um, things like that, uh, Armen Pitovo is your guy. You can find links to all those lessons under our resources page. So go check them out there. You obviously somehow figured out how to listen to this, but you can stream us on our website, thebrazilianbeat.com and email us at thebrazilianbeat at gmail.com and thank you for listening. Good night.